Sometimes I think it's a sin when I feel like I'm winning when I'm losing again. Toronto Maple Leafs drop game one 4-2 to the Florida Panthers. Thank you to the legendary Gordon Lightfoot for the quote, may you rest in peace, a true Canadian icon. Uh, another Canadian icon, a Canadian legend, not here tonight, Matty Lang, a little under the weather. Uh, he sends his best, but uh, not feeling too hot, and uh, rather than sniffle and cough his way through it, uh, he's going to sit this one out, hopefully rejoin us for Game 2 on Thursday. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you so much for checking out the show. On social media, at Tall Can Audio, give us a follow there. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. One thing we've been dealing with around here is it's been a while since we've been out of the first round, right? Doing these post-game shows isn't that taxing. You do it for like 10, 12 days, and then the Leafs are eliminated and you go back to, to normal. But not just that. It's, it's the creative team has been exhausted in here, right? We, the last two years, it was Buds versus Bolts, and that was, I don't know, it's easy enough with, uh, with the alliteration, right, as we title these, uh, these episodes. There's really nothing any good when it comes to the Panthers. Buds versus Cats, I guess. FLA versus GTA, I guess, maybe is a thing. Round two in blue, I think, right now. Or blue in round two, maybe, is, is better. Um, you know, we're still wrestling with it. If you have any suggestions, I don't really care about the alliteration, but it's gotta be quick, right? It's gotta be short in and out just like that, you know, cause you only have so much space when you title these episodes. So, uh, that's what I've been wrestling with. Honestly, the last day or two is like, I don't know what the hell to title this particular series. Uh, if the Leafs had just, you know, gone down and been eliminated, I wouldn't have had to, <laughs> to try and come up with something, but perhaps it's a small sacrifice, a small price to pay. But if you have any ideas, let us know. Like I said, cause, uh. Coming up, coming up blank over here. Interesting game. Couple different things to dive into. A couple different ways of looking at it. Uh, but no way around the fact that you're down one nothing uh, to uh, an inferior opponent. And we can get into how inferior they are. Uh, judging by tonight, not super inferior. Uh, lots of stuff we can talk about. I just want to quickly say two things. Thursday morning, our buddy Chris Hoffley returns to the podcast. Uh, if uh, you've been around for a while, you know that we recently made a bet. Some Oshawa beers versus some Ottawa beers and uh, some charitable donations. Riding on the Oshawa Generals Ottawa 67 series. The 67s, of course, cleaned out the Jennies pretty comfortably. So uh, I had to collect some Oshawa beers. They are here in the studio. And I told Hoff, that's as far as they're coming. I've brought them the first four hours. If you want them, you can come the last seven minutes and uh, and co-host a show. So he's going to do that on Thursday morning. Also, just quickly, our buddy Matt, a longtime listener, gives us all kinds of great feedback on the podcast. We hear from him all the time. Uh, also, someone who shares my uh, my enthusiasm for a certain part of the province that we like to spend part of the summer in uh, has a new baby. And um, he uh, he shot me over a message not too long ago. That uh, with a picture and uh, said the Leafs' newest lucky charm, newest member of the bandwagon, newest member of the fan base, uh, and like so many of us, uh, our first experience with the Leafs, a loss for this poor child. Uh, there will be many of those to come. But congratulations to Matt. There's too many Matts around here. Of course, myself, Maddie Lang kicking around, and now uh, and now our friend Matt uh, has brought a new member of Leafs Nation into the world. So congratulations to him and to his uh, entire family. Obviously, incredible news. Uh, less incredible, Toronto Maple Leafs performance in Game 1. You can go back and forth. Overall, not a terrible 
outing, and honestly, the whole game could have swung differently, right? Both teams come out at a breakneck pace. I'm not sure that's the way the Leafs are going to want to play against Florida. We'll see as we kind of move through this. But the Leafs end up getting two power plays almost back-to-back early on in the first period. And the Leafs are whipping it around, right? Like, the power play looking better there than it did maybe at any point during the Tampa Bay series. They have it under control. They're getting the shots they want. And they just can't make it go, right? Bobrovsky makes a couple nice saves. Uh, They shank a couple wide. And before you know it, your four minutes of power play time are over and you have nothing to show for it. And Florida starts to get their guys out there going again, right? And it continues to be played at a bit of a breakneck pace. And Florida kind of swings the momentum throughout the the later stages of the first period. Uh, They get a goal there early on. Nick Cousins gets that done on a line that is going to be annoying to you for as long as this series lasts, along with Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk. I'm already tired of hearing about Matthew Kachuk. There are two reasons for that. One is because he's very good and he's going to irritate you by being good at getting under your skin, at putting up points, uh, and in just being in your face all the time, right? That's what Matthew Kachuk does. But also, the media now already has turned him into the second coming of Hockey Jesus Christ. And it's a bit much. Uh, He certainly is, I believe, now tied after this game for the playoff lead in points. He's been very good uh, and actually had, in a non-Connor McDavid world, perhaps an MVP season. So he should be talked about. You should be watching over him. You should be keeping an eye on him. And the media should be talking about him. But man, they've already anointed him as this unstoppable force. Well, he's been stopped. Edmonton basically took him right out of the series last year uh, in the Battle of Alberta and made him a complete non-factor. So it can be done, and Toronto's going to have to be better because uh, Kachuk put up three points today, and uh, if he's going to do that every game, you won't be around long enough to become annoyed with him. Now, they, of course, take a penalty late in the first period, manage to get through a lot of it there and get to the intermission as the Leafs had been known to give up uh, a lot of late period goals there, especially in in round one. And then in the second period, the Leafs start to get it going. And already after one period uh, of round two, there was already a ton of criticism on Sheldon Keefe. Lots of Twitter action talking about how he's being outcoached by Paul Maurice, of all people. Let's settle down. Paul Maurice is amongst one of the most mediocre coaches you've ever seen in the National Hockey League. Just take a quick look at his record and then take the time to break down the years that he's had fantastic goaltending and the years that he's had subpar goaltending. And you can figure out pretty quickly how he gets to success. It's not really a criticism. That's how a lot of coaches get their wins, right? We've talked about that before. Uh, You show me a great goalie and I'll show you a great coach and vice versa because the goalie covers up for a lot of your mistakes. And Paul Maurice, maybe more than any coach in NHL history, can be defined by that, right? Uh, Having Connor Hellebuck for the last several years helped reinflate Paul Maurice's coaching record over the last little while. And so it was a little early to be calling for Sheldon Keefe's head. That's not to say Keefe was perfect. But you could take a look in the second period and see, oh shit, the Leafs are carrying the play again now. They made the adjustments, and they were absolutely carrying the momentum through most of the second period. So absolutely no tweets, 
in the second period, referencing what a nice job Sheldon Keefe had kind of seeing what was done, making the necessary adjustments to turn things around. That's just how the internet works, but it's worth pointing out here. So the Leafs do come back. They're carrying that momentum. They're dominating uh, large swaths of the second period, and they get the thing tied back up. And then late in the third, a horrible mistake by Jake McCabe, who, let's be real, did not have a great game here. Uh, He delivers a terrific hit, but then ends up continuing in way too deep when you have that kind of momentum and you are a defenseman and not really an offensively strong defenseman. You can't be carrying on that far into the offensive zone when you're not really backed up, uh, you know, late in the period. You've come back this far. You've got the momentum. You just now, I don't know, maybe you want to keep trying to pour it on. And obviously that's what he was thinking. Uh, But really at that point, you're trying to probably get to the intermission and go, okay, see, we've tied it up. And now we can sprint to the finish with the Florida Panthers. And we're going to talk about the sprint factor in this series in just a second, because I think it's going to be important. Instead, like I said, he delivers the hit, which was great. And he had a couple of really nice big hits in this game, but he carries on into deep. All of a sudden, Carter Verhage gets going, and I don't really know what TJ Brody was doing there either, as he gets absolutely beat bad, and Verhage walks in, and he had a very, very quiet 40-goal season down in Florida this year, Uh, so he's not really a guy that you're going to want to be giving easy access to your net, and just sort of, you know, really not a good play. Uh, we, so now you go to the second intermission, you're down one, like it's hardly the end of the world, but you could have been tied and you've certainly blown your momentum. Uh, and into the third period, Leafs play pretty well again, but Florida kind of gets their feet back underneath them as well. And then Jake McCabe makes another boneheaded play with a trip and gives Florida what's going to be a power play, but they whip it around in the Leafs zone pretty well, just on the six on five on the delayed penalty. And they end up. Uh, getting the goal there and and you know the, the 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 power play becomes irrelevant and is negated and you know that's basically it you know the Leafs have enough firepower that it's not over but it's far less likely that you're going to get this back you know again your momentum is killed uh, you're now down by two and Bobrovsky is having a pretty good game so it really put them in a bad spot and I really like a lot of the physical elements that Jake McCabe brought in this game And he's had some very difficult matchups already in these playoffs. But a couple of really boneheaded plays in this game really cost them. So hardly off the Jake McCabe bandwagon. I'm not sending him into the press box next with with Justin Hall or anything like that. But a couple of opportunities there for him to make a smarter decision where he doesn't. And it really hurt them bad in this game. Uh, I guess we should probably talk about Bobrovsky a little bit because he had a pretty strong game. He might have been, coming into this series, the biggest X factor that you were going to have to try and deal with, right? We've seen the really good Sergei Bobrovsky. He's won two Vesna trophies as the best goalie in the league. Like, he's no pushover. Uh, and he used those two Vesna trophies to get himself a $10 million contract down in Florida. And ever since then, pretty big question mark, right? When he's good, he's very good. When he's not, he's virtually unplayable, uh, which is illustrated by the fact that they didn't even start him against Boston in game one. They went with this guy, Alex Lyon, a career minor leaguer who had had a bit of a run and helped get Florida in. And Paul Maurice makes the call. I'm putting my $10 million guy on the bench and I'm starting Alex Lyon. 
Uh, at some point, the Bruins are doing what the Bruins were expected to do through the whole series, and they are kind of running Florida's show. And Paul Maurice decides it's time to go to Bobrovsky. And he frames it pretty well. There's a moment where the media is asking him, you know, why are you making the switch now? And instead of kind of roasting Alex Lyon or whatever, he says, hey, our guys have got us to a certain point here in this series. Now we need our veterans to stand up and be the ones to get it done. And he's one of those. It's a fair enough comment, right? But really, Alex Lyon wasn't getting it done. And you probably should go down with your $10 million goalie if you're going to go down. But they didn't go down. They battled back from 3-1 down in the series, and Sergei Bobrovsky played really well for the most part. Now, in Game 7, some some ass-clenching moments from that guy, right? Some crazy rebounds he's letting out. I think there's one in like the last minute of the third period that could have ended their season. Um, he wasn't great in Game 7, but he was good enough to win. And I said this to you guys when we talked after Game 5 of the Leafs uh, versus Lightning series. Did we get Vasilevskied or did we just not play very well? And that's sort of where I'm at with this one. Bobrovsky was pretty good um, and maybe better than pretty good. I'm not trying to demean him. But the Leafs had some glorious chances where they shanked it wide um, or just kind of flubbed the pass. And so... I think Bobrovsky was good enough to make the saves that they needed him to make, but I'm not sure Toronto made it all that difficult on him, so we'll see, right? I'm not making a statement yet that we're going to get the bad Bobrovsky and the Leafs should be running him out of the building, or that, oh my god, he's rediscovered his Vesna, you know, caliber numbers and the Leafs are in huge trouble. It's kind of hard to to make that call coming out of this game. I thought, like I said, Toronto was pretty good. I thought he was very good, but I'm not sure he stole this for Florida or anything like that. In many ways, Toronto kind of stole this from themselves. Uh, so we'll see what he brings. But as we move through this series, he will be the biggest X factor. If he finds his top game, Toronto is in very big trouble. If he is what he has been for most of the last couple years, then Toronto shouldn't struggle too much putting some goals up on him. Uh, outside of McCabe, who I thought, like I said, kind of struggled in this game, Brody kind of struggled in this game. I got some questions about what's going on with William Nylander, because it seems like he's taking a very long time to get his shot off when the opportunities present themselves. I'm not sure if he's hurt or if he's just playing poorly. Um, like he seems to be skating fine. So is it a wrist thing? Is it an elbow thing? Or like I said, is he just missing, right? Is he just missing those opportunities? But a lot of talk on Leafs Twitter about how long it's taking him to kind of get shots off that he normally, you know, can one time pretty quickly, right? And it's giving the D chance to get over on him and the goalie chance to get over and get set on him. That's something to watch because obviously they need him. Uh, there was a reason that they took him off of the Matthews line. Maybe that was just for a different look and going to Marner when you were down. Or maybe Keefe wasn't happy with him. In the first period or two, his ice time was down significantly. On that delayed penalty in the third period that I was talking about, where Florida scored, they were going to go to the power play and didn't end up getting there. Nylander's is floating in the defensive zone. He's showing no urgency to try and intercept that puck or get possession to get a whistle blown. He contributed nothing there. He was no help to you. They need him to be better. So he can be. Uh, we'll have to see. 
whether or not this is an injury thing where, you know, there's something bugging him or if he's just going through one of his phases, which they really can't afford him to be going through right now. They, they need him to be better than that. So from a Leafs perspective, those would be your question marks, Make, right? McCabe Brody, uh, who they're going to lean on quite a bit and William Nylander, who they need to, if nothing else, they need to carry that second power play. Uh, interesting adjustment uh, was brought up on the broadcast as well that they decided to kind of go away from Giordano Lilligren on the uh, on the Kachuk matchup and go to Riley Shen. And I think that makes sense. If you were watching the game, you probably saw them discuss it themselves. I don't need to go into it too in-depth. But having Luke Shen be the guy in Matthew Kachuk's face for a while instead of Timothy Lilligren is obviously a better setup. And Riley's been pretty good in these playoffs, better than he was in the regular season, and is good at skating it out of trouble. So maybe that's a better matchup uh, to try here. I I still, I got some questions about Giordano. Um, I think a lot of us were happy to blame it all on on Justin Hall making him look bad, but mm, can't use that excuse now. There was some talk in the post-game show about whether or not you'd go back to 11-7. and use Giordano as kind of a penalty gill guy and a defensive zone guy. And then you could use Gustafson uh, to help you break out when you need some help getting through the neutral zone and things like that. We'll see. Um, I don't love the 11-7 thing. I know it just worked in game six, but maybe that is something we will uh, we'll see in game two. Uh, quickly, before we get out of here, <laughs> I was having a laugh on Monday. Uh, on Monday morning, the media was all a flutter, as was as was hockey Twitter, that the uh, the Florida Panthers were only going to make ticket sales to their home games available to people with uh, U.S. zip codes or U.S. credit card holders uh, trying to keep Leaf fans from coming down. First of all, I don't have a whole lot to say on it because I think, A, it's stupid, and B, it's not going to work. Uh, Leaf fans will infest your building, whether you want them to or not. Uh, but... In theory, you should have enough faith in your own fan base to sell out your building, and and they don't, so whatever. And I'm not buying into this small market Florida Panthers. Miami is not a small market. You've just done a shitty job of growing your fan base. So I have no sympathy for them in that regard either, which a couple people tried to to come at me with. What I was laughing, though, on Monday is I had a buddy text me. He's like, "It's it's the Del Boca Vista phone call. And it took me a second, but for those of you guys who are Seinfeld fans, uh, Del Boca Vista is the retirement community that Jerry's parents moved to. And uh, at some point, George's parents decide that they might move down there. And they're, you know, George's dad is kind of crazy. He's kind of annoying. Um, and Jerry's parents don't like him. And so they run into each other at an event and... Uh, and George's dad says that they're thinking about moving down there. Jerry's dad's like, don't, there's nothing, there's nothing available anywhere. Uh, don't even think about it. And so now George's dad decides, uh, I'm going to move down there just out of spite. Like, fuck you. There's nothing down there. I'll move down there just out of spite. I'm coming. And he makes this phone call and it is perfect. When my buddy texted me there on Monday, we were having a good laugh about it that, you know, this is the exact same as the Panthers trying to keep Leaf fans out of Florida, as it was uh, Jerry Seinfeld's dad trying to keep uh, Frank Costanza out of Del Boca Vista. Hello? This is Frank Costanza. What do you want? You think you can keep us out of Florida? 
We're moving in lock, stock, and barrel. We're going to be in a pool. We're going to be in a clubhouse. We're going to be all over that shuffleboard court. And I dare you to keep me out. And so that's your, that's your crazy Leaf fans headed to Florida. I dare you to keep us out. Look, Leaf fans are coming. There's no way around it. Half of, half of Ontario already has Florida addresses because of the way they snowbird or their grandparents do or their parents do or they're doing business in the U.S. It was a stupid thing to try and enforce, and it's not going to work. We will see uh, on Sunday down in Florida. The place will be full of Leaf fans. Uh, Some talk. I don't know how much you care. We make fun of it a lot on this podcast that they always line the Leafs up. Make sure the Leafs are going to play on Saturday. Can't miss those Hockey Night in Canada Leaf games. And it's not happening. Uh, They're playing on Sunday. That's because that's a game in Florida. And the Miami Heat are playing on Saturday in the NBA playoffs. It's not the same building. Uh, They have separate venues. But the Florida Panthers refuse to play home playoff games while the Heat are playing because they'll just get crushed in the TV ratings and attendance, all that stuff. They can't handle it. So uh, they get moved to Sunday. And Leaf fans, I don't know why you would care. I get it. It's sort of a habit to watch hockey on on Saturday, but during the playoffs, you're watching whenever it comes on. You just are. I get why Sportsnet would be pissed. They paid $5 billion to have the exclusive broadcast rights, and now all of a sudden the two American networks and the Florida goddamn Panthers are dictating to you that no, you're going to actually do this on Sunday when they paid a fraction of what you did. I understand why Sportsnet would be upset and, um, you know, that's what you get for doing business in, in Gary's world. But as Leaf fans, just stop. I want to watch on Saturday. You'll watch when it's on. You will. This will change nothing in your world. Uh, this will change nothing for the ratings, but, uh, Sportsnet likes to have the Leafs on Saturday and, and the Florida Panthers were able to say, uh, no, you'll, uh, you'll broadcast when we want to. So, uh, something kind of fun about that, but far, far, far less uh, perhaps urgent than was being expressed on Twitter and the outrage and the, we we play Saturdays. Yeah, well, no, you don't. You're going to play on Sunday and you'll watch it. And they're right, you will. And I will. And honestly, that Sunday game starts at 630, which is weirder to me than the Sunday versus Saturday thing. It's just, it's just being needlessly difficult. <laughs> The games start at 7, 7.30, sometimes 8, maybe 9 or 10 if you're out west. 6.30? What are you doing? It's just, it, it, to me, it comes off as being needlessly difficult. But uh, again, I'll watch because that's when it's on, and that's what I do. And so will you. That's probably about it for game one. Uh, like I said, interesting series. Played at a pretty high pace, breakneck speed. I'm not sure that's what the Leafs are going to want to do. Uh, Florida has some really fast guys. They like to play at pace. Toronto has some fast guys, but they're not as fast as their reputation suggests. I've tried to talk about this on the show before. They were, and then everyone decided, no, 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 you need to be more playoff-y, which means slower and bigger. And fine, like, you can do that too. But Toronto's really not that fast anymore. O'Reilly's not fast. Tavares isn't fast. Yarn Croak's not particularly fast. Like, Marner and Nylander skate pretty well. Matthews, but none of them are burners, right? 
you're thinking back at all the guys you let leave just this year over the last calendar year, Ilya Mikheyev and uh, Pierre Ingvall. Uh, before that, obviously, Kasperi Kapanen. I'm not saying you needed to keep all these guys or whatever, but you had one style of team and and you don't have that style team anymore. Sometimes the reputation lasts longer than the reality. And so I think Toronto is going to want to slow this down a little bit and play a little bit more defensive, a little more grinding style, and they'll have some time to uh, to kind of adapt there. They want the puck to move fast. Like Toronto whips it around pretty well. They make nice passes. When their game is going, they move the puck well. They don't necessarily skate in a particularly above average kind of way that still stands out the way it did a couple of years ago. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, Like I said, Chris Hoffley will be back on here with me on Thursday morning. We'll talk a little bit about uh, the CFL draft, which went down on Tuesday night while you were watching hockey. (laughs) And while I was watching hockey, Hoffley will be able to to catch us up on how all that played out. Uh, But we'll also talk about Snoop Dogg. Throwing his hat in the ring to perhaps own the Ottawa Senators? Are we going to see a Ryan Reynolds versus Snoop Dogg showdown in the boardroom? That could be fascinating. Uh, We'll ask for Hoffley's opinion on that as well. And uh, we'll pay off the bet. We'll have a couple of beers from the All or Nothing Brewing Company down in Oshawa uh, and settle up that way as well. So uh, we'll be back here with uh, with him on Thursday morning. And then late Thursday night after Game 2, we'll be back. Hopefully Maddie will be feeling a little bit better and he can join me at that point. But uh, that'll do it for Game 1. Leafs lose. It's a long series. Leafs lost game one in the last series as well and still finished it off in six. So no need to panic, but it is time to show Florida a little more respect than maybe we did. My name is Matt Robinson. Thank you for listening. We'll see you Thursday morning.